chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Isaiah chapter 43, if you would please, verse 25 and 26, as we continue on our subject matter, uh, just taking some time to spend with the Lord. We're talking about pleading our case. And then the prophet Isaiah, once again, appealing to the people of God in verse 25, speaking and prophesying by the Spirit of God, says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Come and let us reason together. The very essence of covenant language where God has invited us into this relationship with himself. And he wants us to come and settle a matter and make things well and get on a path of his blessing. And he asks us to contend, to plead, to strive together, to pray. He's beseeching us to come into his presence just as a lawyer would present a case in, uh, in a court, he's asking us to present our case. And we're going to take another look at uh, a portion of Scripture where we see a group of people gathering together now to pray. Uh, we've looked at several examples of individuals praying, and those have inspired us that your prayers and my prayers individually carry weight and they make a difference and that if we would stand in the gap and we would pray and we would intercede, that the Lord would intervene and he would move. But there's also portions of scripture where people gathered together and they lifted up their voice in one accord and they cried out to the, to the God of heaven and earth corporately and God moved in wonderful and dynamic ways. And let's go to the book of Acts now. As we continue to take it, uh, our, uh, our lessons from the word of God on what it means to plead our case, to come before the Lord with assurance, with confidence, with no sense of shame or guilt or condemnation, to come before him as his covenant children that have been cleansed, that have been uh, regenerated, that have been born again, that have been partakers of his divine nature, that have found acceptance in his presence. That's the way in which the Lord wants us to come. And the writer of the book of Hebrews says, let us come boldly. Let us, that's the, the manner in which we need to come. And that's where we're going to begin in Acts chapter 4. We're going to begin in uh, this portion of Scripture after uh, a sequence of events have already transpired. Peter and John have ministered to the man at the, at the beautiful gate. And this man that was laid there every day begging alms was... His vocation, he was a beggar, and, and just through the benevolence of people that were going into the temple, he was able to scratch out some sort of living, but that wasn't God's best. And so on that particular day, uh, he was ministered to, and he was completely restored and made whole in just one moment of time. And it says that as they ministered unto this man in the name of the Lord and by faith in the name of Jesus, that his ankle bones received strength and every part of his lower extremities was made whole. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. Can you imagine the scene in the temple that day where 
uh, a fixture of poverty and brokenness what became a picture of wholeness and health and, and began to celebrate. Salvation came to that man on that particular day and he was restored and his whole life changed. Well, those that were in authority really didn't care, uh, uh, you know, much for for this uh, individual's healing or for those that ministered to him. They they were they're so concerned about it that, you know, they, they got these guys, they put them under house arrest, and they began to cross-examine them. And, and that's where we're going to pick up the story. Now, uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been cross-examined by people that really cr- want to cross-examine you. <laughs> I, it, it, it would have to be one of the most uncomfortable settings to be in is that you're standing before people that are not looking at you as you're innocent until proven guilty. I mean, they're looking for one iota of evidence just to end your life. So uh, they, they are not, not, you know, being looked upon favorably. They're being threatened. They're, they're, uh, and it, it's an intimidating environment. And notice the response of, of these men. It says in verse 13, And when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Let's pause for a moment and just imagine someone looking down on you because you don't have the same social status or the same educational status as they do and thumbing their nose at you and saying, you guys are so far beneath us, but one thing that you have that we're somewhat threatened by is you have a presence and a power that we don't possess. Even though you are like, in our opinion, you're the lowest of the low, and, and socially you have no status. Educationally, you, you just don't have any, any ability. But somehow, because of this relationship with Jesus, you have something that is much greater than education. You have something that's much greater than what we have. You have presence. And, and that is, that is a, a great, th- that's a great reputation to strive towards. You may feel like you're not qualified, you don't have the education, you don't have the background, you don't have the pedigree, but if you know how to get into the presence of God, nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. Not in light of eternity, maybe in light of the world's ways, but we're not talking about the world's ways. We're talking about getting results and seeing lives transform. Education doesn't change people eternally. It can help them in in the here and now, but it can't help them eternally. God doesn't open up heaven's gates to those who have certain degrees or pedigrees. He opens up uh, his heart and his home in heaven, and it's his home in heaven. Have we understood that? So he gets to make the rules. It's his heaven. Have you ever thought about that? And there's a way that you get into his heaven. You have to do things his way. And you, there's a way to come into his presence. And we can't never get away from that. It's not our heaven. It's his heaven. He's invited us home. And there's only one way there, and that's by honoring the son. And some people think, you know, somehow they're going to throw around some clout before God. They're their education, their status, their prowess in society. And, and th- that, that may impress men, but that doesn't impress God. And I just want to remind you, this is such an important piece of this story because 
Even people that you're intimidated by because of their social status or educational status, if you carry the presence of Jesus, you'll have an audience with them. And you'll have the ability to testify of something that God has done that's real in your life. So here it is, verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go outside, out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a noble miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no one in this name. And so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you have to judge that. For we cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years uh, old, of, of whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own company or their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So they bring this report back to their own company. Let's pause once again for a moment. And your company and the company I keep matters. The group that you run to and the group that you gain counsel from and the group that you get support from is a very important and selective group in your life. And, and you need to have some people that are like-minded, that, are, that, are, that you keep company with well, and they keep company with you well. And it may take a little while to develop that company, but once that company is established, that's a well-knit and, and well-oiled uh, machine as far as for the purposes of God. So, These people had places to go. They had people that supported them and they had people that they could pray with. And all of us need that in the world in which we live in because there are times where we're being accused, where we're being threatened, where we're trying to be silenced. And we need to go to people that encourage us, the people that support us, people that lift us up. We need a strong group of believers around us, like-minded believers. And so they had that in the early church. They knew where to go when things got hot and heavy. And they found this group of people and notice what they did. And once they heard all the reports, verse 44, and when they heard everything that they had to say, they raised their voice, they raised their voice, they raised their voice, they raised their voice. When you're in a group of people that care about you and are committed to you and want to support you, then there is is no one that that is going to be silenced. Like if they threaten you, they threaten me. If they came against you, they came against me. They told you to be quiet, they would have told me to be quiet. So we're in this together. So we're all going to lift up our voice together. It, it wasn't just you that was threatened. If it wasn't you, Peter and John, it could have been us. Uh, you were just the vessels that God chose to use at that moment. And so we're going to join our faith with you. This is corporate faith. This is corporate prayer. 
And they lifted up their voice. And I, I want to make a distinction of what's going to happen over the next several verses so that you can see it as it unfolds. The first thing that this group of people is going to begin to do together, everybody say together. They're going to do this together. They're going to magnify and they're going to exalt and extol the name of the Lord. The next thing that they're going to do is they're going to start building a case biblically before God. They're going to start pleading their case. They're going to do exactly what Isaiah had asked us to do. They're going to bring their cause and their case before the Lord. And it's based on what? God's word and previous things and ways in which he has worked. So Every lawyer, if they're going to win a case, has to do it through law and precedent. They state what's on the books, and then they give cases where that has been invoked or it's been, you know, take, it's been approved by the courts. In the same way, that's how we pray. We bring God's word to him, and we bring previous examples of how he has been faithful to fulfill his word. And we're, you're going to see that. They're going to begin to talk about the plans that people had and the schemes of all of these people. But then in the midst of that, they're going to talk about how big and how sovereign and how great God is. Then they're going to make their request to God. And then at the end, we're going to see how God responds to this kind of covenant communication and interaction. Are you guys ready? Verse 24, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, your God, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David has said, here's the, the, the case they're going to plead. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together to do whatever, here it is, the sovereignty of God, your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. We started just a few minutes ago saying that when they were brought before the authorities, the religious authorities of their day, the first thing the religious authorities recognized was these people are fearless. They're bold. But notice after testifying, after standing, you know, in that kind of environment, after, you know, uh, being cross-examined, after being threatened, after being commanded never to teach or preach any anymore in the name of Jesus, you know, after getting hit and hit and hit with those kind of threats and, that, and leverage with that kind of fear, that can sort of shake your confidence. That can cause you to wonder, am I really making the right decision? Am I... Am I standing up for the right causes? Is what I'm doing, you know, the right path to take? And so when they went to their own company and they said, hey, we have just gone through the ringer. Boy, did we have a situation happen. You're not going to believe what took place to us, what they said, how they treated us. And when they got done, they said, all right, enough about us. Let's start talking about the Lord. And notice, I'm going to finish with this. The case was not a case for themselves. The case was the case for Christ. 
The case was a case for Christ. They said they are threatening our Savior, the work of our Savior, the name of our Savior. And so grant unto us boldness that we would, what? Do the work of our Savior. It wasn't a self-preservation prayer. It was a bold prayer. It was a big prayer to a big God. It wasn't, God, you heard, now protect your servants. It was, if this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, then sort of download some more boldness and let's get on with the show because we can't help but speak of the things that we have seen and experienced. And if Jesus is real, and I know that he is, but you know he can be real and then he can be real real in our life. I mean, he can be alive and then he can really be alive in our life. And they were saying, don't let this this flame, this fire, don't let it dwell. I mean, or, or don't let it uh, drift or go out, just fan it. And they went forward. And then you can follow through. It's a great read through the book of Acts and just see how God answered this prayer and how they went forward. And, and, and they went forward into some of the, the most precarious and challenging and, uh, uh, situations. And the Lord was with them and he worked signs and wonders among them. And many were saved and baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. And many came to faith in Jesus Christ because they knew what mattered? What mattered was the big picture. Their life was a vapor, but the work of God mattered for eternity. And when they prayed this prayer, it was, God, we're doing this for you. And they're threatening you. And they're threatening your name. They're, they didn't take it personally. And, and just use us in whatever way you can so that people would come to know of your great love. I think that's awesome. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.